Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. This week's episode is another direct request from you, the viewer or listener, particularly from our YouTube channel. Now, before we dive into the content of this episode, friendly reminder that we put on these episodes intentionally ad-free so that you can listen without interruptions. So when you share with friends, family, when you hit the like button, when you subscribe to our channel, it helps us tremendously to engage more and more people in these conversations around the world. So thank you for your listening, for your viewing, for your feedback, and for your reviews. We are always here, always listening and engaging with you and really creating these episodes specifically around what it is you want to hear from us. So this week's episode, The Direct Request, is a question that we get often on holding space. What does it mean to hold space? You hear Nicole and I talk about this idea of holding space almost in every episode. So we are dedicating a nice little snippet episode to exactly what holding space means and how to do it. So I think very much like the concept itself suggests holding space, quite literally, that's what it is a practice of, of holding space or really simply creating separation so that we can hear from someone who differs from us in their thoughts, their opinions, their beliefs, their emotions, their perspectives, or their lived experience. It's actually the action then of creating that space in our relationship, in our conversation, or in our experiences for someone else's experiences, which might oftentimes, as they are often, different from our own. I really like learning or just learn well from the opposite, from contrast. So if you look at what holding space is, as Nicole just described, the opposite of holding space would be unsolicited advice, interjecting your perspective or your tips and suggestions, or even being deflective or defending anything other than being a neutral open space that is just absorbing the listening of another person without focusing on all of like the chatter or the noise that's happening in our mind. And instead putting that aside, because it is difficult at times to completely make that obsolete. We're just turning the volume down on that and continuously refocusing our attention on what the other person is saying so that when they're complete in their expression, they can actually feel it. You have that experience of feeling heard. What I expressed or what I care about, I have shared outwardly. And because the other person was so open and receptive and present to my words, even with their body language, I literally feel Gotten. There's nothing else for me to express because I feel so complete in having been listened to. So just imagining many of you listening, as I know, I still have those reactive moments um, in my day-to-day life, in my relationships. Um, a lot of you are probably seeing moments where you're not <laughs> holding that space, not calm, not explorative, not curious. And probably what you're doing, much like myself, is becoming reactionary. Um, And so ultimately, when we're talking about the practice of creating that space, the first real step of that is learning how to regulate whatever emotional reaction that we're witnessing in ourselves as we're hearing someone speak and, you know, they, they say something that that touches something deep inside us, we might feel our heart rate begin to increase. We might feel sweaty. We might at the ready know exactly what we're going to say back to them to defend, to retort, or to just emotionally express whatever that deep feeling is. So the embodiment of that neutral space really is 
an act of embodiment of learning how to first notice as my nervous system is becoming reactive, because that's when we lose the ability to stand in that grounded space and then to begin to do the things we need to do for our body, give ourselves some calm, deep belly breathing in that moment so that we can remain grounded instead of becoming reactionary. There's a really important word that you just said in there, and that is practice. Holding space is absolutely a practice. We're setting ourselves up for failure if we have an expectation that ourselves or another person holding space for us is suddenly going to be able to just snap their fingers, be entirely present, be regulated and dropped into their body, tuned into what we're, say- what we're saying or to what the other person is saying. That takes practice. As Nicole's saying, you have to be regulated within your body. If your nervous system is in a fight or flight stage or you're in complete dysregulation or chaos, you don't have the ability or access in that moment to be completely at ease or receptive or present to what the other person is saying. Another important thing to keep in mind as we're thinking of this idea of holding space for another or what that would look like. And Nicole just gave some great examples of, you know, getting defensive or getting deflective or already preparing what it is that you're going to say back. It doesn't always fall in that sort of defense way either, where you already know what your retort is. Oftentimes where we lack holding space is this desire to solve or fix out of good intention, out of a pure intention of the heart to solve or fix whatever is happening for the other person. So we immediately go to give suggestions or good intentionally say things like, you know, it could be worse. Let's focus on the good. Those statements are actually very invalidating to the other person's experience and don't allow them to just feel heard or feel seen, which are two core needs that we as humans all need. I'm really happy, Jenna, that you're bringing up this very well-intentioned kind of problem-solving space that many of us react from. And I could just make a sweeping statement and say, It is very frustrating for a lot of us who do very well-meaningly want to hold space, show up as a calm, grounded presence, um, even just create the container to hear from someone else what their struggle might be, yet we continue to find ourselves unable to do that. And the reason is, even in those moments where we're swooping in to solve the problem, what we're doing, if we're being perfectly honest with ourselves, is we're still reacting to our own feeling. And usually what's happening when we want to solve someone else's problem is not only are we feeling the pain that they're feeling, the upset that their problem is causing, we're compounding that with feeling helpless, with living in the reality that we actually can't remove that feeling from someone. Yet we begin to spiral in this cycle as our best attempt to remove our helplessness and our sadness, our upset over their issue by springing into action by springing into help with our endless suggestions. And again, in those moments, we have to truly understand we're not holding space for someone else. We're actually in a similarly self-driven reactive cycle. It just appears outward focused. It appears like we're doing something for someone else. And in reality, we're still just trying to manage how we feel in that moment. Most of us are unconsciously dismissing others when they're speaking. Naturally, I think as a collective, we don't hold space. And why is that? Because when we're holding space for another person, that means we are allowing the presence and the embodiment, literally just the simmering of all of these difficult and uncomfortable emotions. And as humans, we 
mostly haven't learned how to sit in discomfort or to sit in uncomfortable emotions. So when someone expresses them to us, we immediately do want to either defend, change the subject, deflect, or we want to solve it. We want to fix it, or we even want to offer our own relation to it, where I notice this in myself a lot. Someone will share something, and I'm very mindful now not to interject my own experience. And I share this because for a number of years, I looked at me sharing my resonance or relatability in their experience as connection, as a, as a way to say, hey, me too, I'm here. There's a way to say, hey, me too, I'm here, to have them get that you understand without you sharing your own personal experience. And now it's not wrong. I think it's beautiful for people to share from heart to heart and to be able to express themselves vulnerably. But when we're specifically talking about the context of holding space, it's not interjecting and saying, oh, I went through this too. It's more so getting curious, genuinely getting over there in the other person's reality and saying, you know, I can... I can only imagine how difficult that must be. I'm here for you. Or asking curious questions, you know, tell me more about that. I want to understand more. And always putting the focus over there on them so that they can really empty out what it is that they need to say. Because each of us has an unconscious commitment to say or express what we have inside of us to say and express. And when we don't create that space and when we're not given that space, then those feelings and those words tend to come up and out in very unworkable ways or situations or arguments when really we just want to be in grounded presence and have ourselves feel heard, just like we want to offer to those around us the ability to, I want Nicole to be able to speak to me and have her feel heard. I can also only offer that to Nicole if I am giving myself the space. Again, this will always come back to us. I need to be able to hold space for myself first. I need to sit with Jenna, be able to ask myself questions. How are you doing? What's coming up for you? What's bothering you? And be able to hold space for Jenna, for little Jenna, and allow those answers to emerge, allow whatever feelings are there to emerge. When I can practice sitting in my own discomfort and sitting in the embodiment of all of these feelings that physically feel uncomfortable and allow myself to know that that's okay, I'm safe. I can put a hand on my heart, a hand on my belly, come back to my breath, ground myself in the moment. Those are all small practices outside of conversation with others that we can practice holding space for ourselves and regulating ourselves so that when I'm in a situation or a conversation with another human, I can offer that to them because I've already shown myself that I can offer it to me first. I want to go back to something you said a bit earlier, Jenna, because it's, it's really important and being very similar to yourself with this idea that when I spoke about myself, when, when I inserted the similar past experience that I had to what I'm hearing someone share, I too believed it to be my best attempt at connecting. And I learned something really important um, in very early on, actually, in my clinical training, where I was sitting with a supervisor and I was sharing about some particular client I was seeing who very similar to myself at that time was riddled with anxiety. And we were having a conversation about this particular client's symptoms and my supervisor looked at me and very calmly, you know, suggested, knowing my personal history myself, that I too struggled with anxiety. 
and suggested that I never assume, especially in circumstances where the story I'm hearing from someone, whether it's a client, a best friend, a romantic partner, whoever it is, especially when there is a bit of similarity, never to assume that it is exactly like my own experience, especially when we've lived what sounds to be a similar experience because our mind will assume that similarity for us. It'll hear something that sounds like, oh yeah, when I used to feel anxious in this way. And then instead of listening to the differences in this other person's story, experience, emotions, even whatever it might be perspective, we're now filling it in with how it was for us, how it felt for us, what worked for us, what didn't work for us. And we're losing the sight of the possible differences. And it's only natural that the closer what we're hearing feels or occurs to us that it does seem similar, it's going to be so much more likely for us to just paint over what someone else is saying with how it was for us. And in those moments, we could really lose the important differences. We could be asserting or inserting aspects of our experiences that aren't similar to what this other person has lived themselves. So in those moments, taking that advice of my supervisor, it's so important when I think I'm, I know what I'm hearing, those might be the moments to hit pause, to get curious, to ask them instead of telling Jenna what it was for me and what sounded like a similar moment, to ask Jenna, how exactly was that for you? What led you to feel that way? What did you do next? And in that exploration, I might begin to then hear more objectively the actual differences. It wasn't what I thought it was. It was this whole other mental world because we are truly unique individuals. So what Nicole just described is a perfect example of what it's like to get curious and into the other person's world. Even those few questions that you just offered now, those are all exploratory questions, sort of probing the other person to choose to open up and share, or maybe even spark something in their own minds that they haven't thought of yet, all being over there and focusing on them. Now, I'm very aware of the fact that we can't just shut our minds off, right? It'd be great if there was just a little off switch and you could just put your full presence on someone else. With practice, you can and will have the ability to almost do just that, but it's continuous. It is a moment-to-moment choice to be present. It's not just, okay, I'm going to have, you know, someone's going through something. I know we're going to have a conversation, so I'm going to put my mind off over here (laughs) and just listen. It might mean that, you know, okay, they're one sentence into sharing something they just said really touched a wounded part of me. Okay, Jenna, I'm going to refocus again all of my tensions over here. I'm turning down the volume of my mind. It very often, especially at first, is going to look like that. A continuous practice where in a 30-minute conversation of holding space, you might remind yourself 30 times to refocus on the presence of the other person. You also don't have to be a mind reader and just hope for the best that they feel heard. It's also okay to ask them. Ask them if they feel heard. Ask them if there's anything else that they would like to share. And also, I think an important thing to remind everyone as we're having this part of the conversation as well is to understand our own limits. There might come a time in those 30 moments of refocusing where I come to realize, you know what? I am a little too dysregulated. This conversation is a little too overwhelming for me in this moment. We're touching on deeper things in myself. I'm becoming reactive. So in that moment, communicating that I actually need space now for myself to reground, to come back into that space of awareness so that when I resume the conversation, very important step two is 
once I do take that space to stay committed to coming back to that person, to that conversation, now that I'm more calmly grounded and giving that listening that I couldn't at one point, because when our nervous system is involved, there will become that point of no return where I'm locked and loaded. There's not, not going to be any logical you know, reminder that's going to stop my body from reacting in the way that it is. And in that moment, the gift we can give the whole conversation is holding space for ourselves, acknowledging our dysregulation and taking the space that we then need so that when we return, we can shift focus back to that other person. So the work is really done outside of the actual moments that we're talking about, like the moments of holding space for someone. Well, the work to be able to do that isn't done in that moment. It's done outside of that moment. And as more and more of us become aware, as we awaken, we start to become more aware of our interactions with others, our relationships with other people, how we dismiss them, how we deflect them, how we speak to them, how we are in relation to them. And it's, I think, really helpful here to just be compassionate and be loving with yourself because for many of us, it is our conditioning that has us unconsciously dismissing others or unconsciously not being able to hold space for others. Because as someone else is sharing, what's happening for most of us in our minds is a whole cycle, like a movie premiere of how everything they're saying relates to us, how it's impacted us. It might bring up a memory from the darkest corner of your mind that you had forgotten. So it's also really helpful. I this I've found this really helpful for me, listening to other people and realizing that even when I have sympathy or empathy for another person and I can, you know, I can feel it. Like someone walks in the room with a broken heart and I can feel their broken heart. What I'm actually feeling is my resonance of my wounds that are responding to their broken heart. So it's not actually they're aching that I'm responding to everything that I'm feeling and that I'm recalling that's coming up for me in my mind or in my body is being ignited from my own memory and my own experience that still lives within my body, within my nervous system and within my mind, which is why we often say it's so important and so helpful for you to just start witnessing your body, start witnessing yourself and how you do respond to things and then get curious about those things later. Start to notice, okay, I just had this difficult conversation about so-and-so being abandoned and whew, that was really difficult for me. Well, there might be some more unpacking and some more unhealing for me to do around the fact that when I was eight, I was abandoned and there's a little Jenna in there who still wants to be seen or still wants to be heard. And that's something for me to make a mental note of, to put aside or to let the other person know, hey, I'm not in a space right now to hear you presently. And then maybe I need to go and actually hold space for myself first before I go back and revisit that conversation with another. So very beautifully, just bringing this full conversation full circle you know, when we go out and begin to explore our ability or our difficulties in holding space, there's so much information in there, regardless of where you are on that spectrum. And chances are there's going to be some area where it's difficult because we all are human with our own conditioning and our own wounding. There likely will be that one relationship, that particular topic, this dynamic that continues to 
cause difficulty or cause that reactivity. Because when we're in that state of nervous system dysregulation or when we're emotionally reactive at our core, we're feeling threatened. We're feeling insecure. There's a fear there that's shifting us into that somatic, that body-based reaction. So honoring that, taking those moments to explore within ourselves what might be coming up, spending that time then within ourselves to learn how to tolerate more and more of the discomfort that's coming along with what now we're becoming conscious of. So then that over time, we don't know exactly when that time will be. I can now show up in the presence of someone else and hear about their very similar sounding difficult issues, not have to swoop in, not deflect the conversation, not make it all better, and just actually hold space or stand next to them in resonance around whatever feeling that they're having, allowing them to have their feeling and allowing us to have our feeling in separation. That is how we live the journey or we embody the practice of holding space. And when we do that, one of the reasons, again, why we continue to show up and have these conversations is the more able, the more spacious we all become in holding this presence for other people in their differences, the more than we can actually be truly connected as a unified whole. A few days ago, at the time of this recording, at least, we posted a tweet on the Holistic Psychologist Twitter about unsolicited advice. And the comment section under any post really is just pure gold to see what everyone is experiencing and dealing with. And there's one person in particular who said that they had just been given a cancer diagnosis and they didn't want to share this with anyone already preemptively out of the fear of the unsolicited advice and suggestion and feedback that they were going to get from people. So I think it'd be really helpful, if nothing else, to take away from this episode Trying on this awareness throughout your day where you just snap or have this reaction to offer unsolicited advice, even in the most good-natured, pure-intentioned way from your heart, pay attention to where your response to someone is to offer advice, is to offer a suggestion when the other person isn't even asking for that. Most of us, all of us, just want to feel heard. So for many, it will be an entirely new practice to allow someone else to just sort of drain out the wind in their pipes, express everything to us and not have us say anything, but instead to have them feel us, have them be able to feel the energy field around you. That's what we mean when we say embodiment, it's energy. If I go into a conversation with someone and my arms are crossed, my shoulders are closed over, and my my body posture is, is very closed, and maybe in my mind I'm thinking about an argument I just had with my partner the night before, well, that argument and what's going on in my mind is replaying and sending messages to my body that are shutting my whole body off. So if I'm to walk into a room or be in front of another person you can feel that. You can feel my energy and you can feel the weather that is around me. So when we say embody, actually drop into your body. Pay attention to your shoulders. Let them be loose. 
Open your chest and your heart. Take a deep breath. Allow your body to be as relaxed as possible. And when that happens too, then your body's also sending a message to your mind. That constant conversation is happening. When you're aware of it, you can begin to guide it. And that will help you set aside all of the constant chatter that's happening anyways and allow you to continuously open yourself up to the presence of another person. We hope this episode has been helpful and or sparked some curiosity in conversation over there with you, wherever you are in the world. We, of course, love hearing from you guys and all of the different takes and perspectives on these conversations. Again, Nicole and I are just Nicole and I. We speak for ourselves and from our work and from what we witness, and we just as much to value your opinions, what you guys think, what you're taking from this, and what comes up for you. So, please head over to our YouTube channel, drop us a comment, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel if you will. It helps us continue these conversations and expand them really all around the globe so we can have as many different perspectives and as much diversity as possible. Thank you again for tuning in, for listening and viewing, and we look forward to being with you again next week.